So I had heard Ben Kenny speak this, the same year about not putting gas in his car, that he no longer put gas in his car. And I remember sitting in that conference going, what an egotistical mm-hmm. yeah. dummy, right? Yeah. Like he can't yeah. even put gas in his own car, come on. A year later, when I hired my mom to be my mom, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I got it. I need it, gas. Right? I got <laughs> it, right? Listen, and I haven't I, put gas in my car. I don't pick up after myself. I don't feel, it's probably why I'm dry single, cleaners, right, right, John? I, but, I was going to say, like, I, I have one of those. It's called a wife. Yeah, I just have a mom. Sorry, Ginger. She's not going to listen. We're good. She's not listening. I'm like, where are you sleeping tonight, We're not live. Hey, so welcome to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell, always here with our amazing co-host, Mr. John Jones. And we have a super special guest today I'd like to invite to the show, Ms. Brinley Tucker. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. So how long do you think we've known each other, by the way? Honestly, probably eight to ten years. Eight to ten years, I'm thinking. Yeah, easy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for a long time, we ran in a lot of the same circles. We did. I have a a cool story I want to share with you real quick. All right. So I don't know how long ago this was, probably when we first met each other, and you were working in the Keller Williams, I believe, in Bel Air. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, we were at a family reunion in Orlando. Do you remember this story by chance? It was my first family reunion, actually. And we were sitting outside. It It was a market center dinner or whatever. We were sitting outside at a Tommy Bahama restaurant. Wow. That is no longer there in Point Orlando, if you're familiar with Point Orlando. Really? And you made a pretty bold statement to me. Do you, rem- do you remember what it was? These are the things that get me in trouble. You're going to be number one. No it's got to be. Do you remember what no, it was? No, I don't. You basically laid down the gauntlet and said, I am going to own my own company. I am going to be a MAPS coach. And you were going to be a mega agent. Wow. Right? Now I don't, I don't. You don't do real estate anymore. Well, I accomplished the first two of those but three you, things. But you are and I coach mega agents. You, but so you that are, probably you are a maps coach. I was a maps coach. Yep. And um, also now you own your own business. Yep. So congratulations. congratulations. Thank yes. you. What a powerful moment. Yeah. You don't remember that? No, I don't actually. <laughs> you know, and what's interesting is I'm kind of in this year of ten because. Um, my first that was my first family reunion so i started okay. with keller williams in 2011 i went to linda Strait, who yes. was the team leader at the time in 2012 yep. and said i want to go to this conference you know and i was just in agent services like i was figuring out what i wanted to be when i grew yeah. up and i said i'll pay for half of it if you do and um who knew that that couple hundred bucks that I put in and some agents <laughs> would, that let would, me stay would with set them for you free, on a course. I mean, it did. It changed my life. I mean, that really, that family reunion was, I mean, if people ask me what's a pivotal moment in your life, that was the, the first step to what would become a journey of redefining myself yeah. and becoming a completely different human being. Yeah. It's How awesome. cool. How yeah. cool. So, Brittany... Brinley, tell us a little bit, like, what do you, what do you, I just kind of set it up a little bit, right? But what do you do now? Tell us a little bit about your company. Yeah. Let's, let's get into it. You know, it's interesting. So I kind of envision a world where we have space for agents, small businesses to come and get any type of leverage that they need in their businesses. You know, one of the biggest things, only 5% of companies actually make it to a million dollars in revenue. Most of them quit before they ever get there. And it's usually because there's either not enough sales or they don't have the operations to support the sales. Mm-hmm. And so whether you're selling real estate, you're doing mortgages, you're you know selling widgets on the street, that's kind of that dichotomy of what we live in, that three-legged race right mm-hmm. between sales and operations. And so we wanted to create a place that they could come and get whatever they need 
right? A la carte without having to give away any other profit or their database or anything like that. So that's what we do today. We do everything from recruiting to administrative services and, and beyond. All right. So primarily you use contract to close or you guys? No, we do everything now. So we do contract to close. So we do uh, transaction management, listing management, marketing services. We do uh, special projects, you know, administrative things. We'll add human resources and accounting services by the end of this year. And then we also, that's the temporary leverage, right? So you need leverage right now. I need to stop the hemorrhaging in my business. You can come to us and we give you temporary leverage while you go find the permanent leverage. Because okay. what happens is, we get we drowned, right? And we get in this, we're drowning and we're overwhelmed. And then all of a sudden we start interviewing people and you like horses and I like horses. Awesome, let's get into business together. Yeah. And then we hire out of desperation. Yep. So getting some temporary leverage in place allows you to start um, find the, find right, the person. right person right. and take the time. And so you do the temporary leverage, then you go over to our recruiting department and our recruiting department then will fi- help you find the person and then we train them. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's the big piece right there, yeah. training them. Yeah, and okay. then we also coach and consult. So there's some teams that they don't want to do it themselves or businesses that don't want to do it themselves. So we go in and we rip, you know, we look under the hood and we say, here's all the things you need and here's what we can do and we'll do it mm-hmm. for you. Okay. Yeah. So from a coaching perspective, do you guys have like a specialty or are you coaching like yeah, so a pretty broad we're, range? We're pretty much primarily focused on leverage operations. So taking it and turning it into a profitable business okay. by adding leverage to the business. Um, I coach a lot now today on leadership development. I'm also a master practitioner in neurolinguistic programming. So my kind of passion is helping business owners break through the baggage and the limiting beliefs that they have from the way they were raised in order to break the ceilings and, and get where they want to be. Well, that, yeah. that's pretty awesome. So how, how big is your company now? Like how many people? Yeah, so it's an interesting story. I it was a MAPS coach, as you mentioned earlier, in 2019. And I believe, you know, God, the universe, I always say, I don't care what you call him as long as you don't call him you, right? As long yeah. as you don't think you're God. Um, but, you know, my higher power that I call God, you know, I believe everything happens instinctually and, and, and for purpose. And October 2019, I made a decision to go all in on my business. I had spent quite a few years building MAPS and building out their operations program, and I'm so grateful to MAPS and the opportunities that they provided me. And I had this little business over here that I kind of had neglected, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can't focus on too many things at one time. So October 2019, I came back into the business, and what usually happens when you've taken your eyes off something for quite a while, you come back and you're rather fascinated by the things that are happening. And so um, I made some pretty tough decisions pretty much cleaned out cleaned house on everything and it was just me hired an operator as I like to call and so that I wasn't you know the operator and that was two years two and a half years ago now and we're now we're a team of 36 with our coaches so in about 24 months we grew pretty pretty drastically (laughs) yeah and congratulations and then the next step you said was accounting and HR so next we'll add we're starting to add more services so you know I, I think I'm grateful for the mentors and the leaders that have taught me to build the foundation first, right? Mm -hmm. And we get very entrepreneurial in the beginning. We're just figuring it out. We're throwing spaghetti up against the wall. And then at some point when we want to scale, we've got to sit on our hands a little bit and realize that we can't get there without other people. And the hardest part of owning a business is people, (laughs) right? I always say, if I could just get robots, right? If we could all just have robots, but that wouldn't solve all the problems either, right? not, not, Not at all, not at all. So talk to us a little bit about leverage, right? So one, one of the questions I get a lot is, when do you know you need it? Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, Webster's Dictionary defines leverage as use something to maximum advantage. And I define leverage as use everything to maximum advantage. A funny story I tell is that I was raised by a single mom, only child. Actually, I watched Raymond James, which is right across the street from you guys, be built. When they wow. put up the second tower, okay. I actually, my mom and I were just talking about this yesterday. I would run through the halls. Oh, wow. um, she started um, in 1985 with them as a, a secretary. You know, raised by a single mom, I'm an only child. So my whole life has been her. Um, and I've been her whole life. And so I fought it for a number of years. And finally at 35, she wouldn't, I mean, I literally, guys, I moved to four different states and this woman followed me. Like oh, wow. there was no getting uh-huh. rid of my mom. Like my mom <laughs> awesome, loves though. me, but it yeah. is, right? As you get older, you start to yeah. appreciate it. And so finally at 30, I think 35, 36, I said, fine. You love being my mom, but we're just going to put you on the payroll. So it's on my terms, not yours. And so I had heard Ben Kenny speak this, the same year about not putting gas in his car, that he no longer put gas in his car. And I remember sitting in that conference going, what an egotistical mm-hmm. dummy, yeah. right? Yeah. Like he can't yeah. even put gas in his own car. Come on. A year later, when I hired my mom to be my mom, um, yeah. I, I got it. I need it, gas. Right? I got <laughs> it, right? Listen, and I haven't I, put gas in my car. I don't pick up after myself. I don't feel, it's probably why I'm dry single, cleaners, right, right, John? I, but, I was going to say, like, I, I have one of those. It's called a wife. Yeah, I just have a mom. <laughs> ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh. Sorry, Ginger. Yeah. She's, she's not going to listen. listen. We're good. We're yeah. Yeah. She's not listening. Yeah. I'm like, You're, where are you sleeping tonight, We're not buddy? live. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally get that. Yeah. I mean, one, one of the examples I, I share often about leverage is, um, so a couple of years ago, it's been a while now, um, my lawnmower broke. Mm-hmm. And so like I used to mow my own lawn and I, I live on a corner lot. So like a Saturday afternoon mowing the lawn was 90 minutes or That's whatever, right? right? And, uh, and I travel a lot for work and what have you. So a lot of times the only time I could mow my lawn was on a Saturday. Well, my lawnmower breaks and I was in a BNI networking group at the time. I call the lawn guy and I'm like, hey, listen, I just need somebody for a couple of weeks while my lawnmower is getting fixed. He's like, not a problem. Comes over, he gives me a price. I'm like, wow, that's pretty reasonable. He's like, I'm just going to charge you for the cut until you get it straightened out, right? So I take my lawnmower to the lawnmower place, to, lawnmower repair place to get it fixed, and it's like the summer. So like he's like, dude, it's gonna be five weeks hmm. before you get your lawnmower back. Well, at the end of that five weeks, my, my buddy from my BNI group- Your habit changed, My, my yeah. buddy from That's my right. BNI group goes, uh, so, Hey, you just want me to just keep going? And I was like, yep. yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm so, not even going to pick up the well, mower. Yeah. It, it, the mower breaking was the pattern interrupt, right? Yes. You had gotten into a pattern that that's just what you yeah. did. Yeah. And, if, and that's, you know, when you ask the question, Brian, how do you know when to leverage? It's when you're doing things that you could pay someone else to do for, for less. less than what you want your hourly rate to Correct. be. But we get caught in the cycle of, well, if I do it, it's free. Well, then you don't value your time. And that's where you have to start. Yes. You've got to start putting a monetary value on your time. What do you want your yeah. hourly rate to be? Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, let's say today I, I still have it done. I pay essentially $25 a week to have the lawn done. That's the, that's, I basically pay $25 to get 90 minutes back on a Saturday, which is 90 minutes back with my family and my that's kids. Right. Yeah. right. And so at that point in my it's life, invaluable. then at that point in my life, I sort of look at, okay, well, what else can I leverage? Mm-hmm. You know, okay, well now I'm, I'm no longer going to, I'm never going to iron a shirt again. Mm-hmm. We're just going to send all the clothes to the cleaners. Um, I'm never going to clean my pool again, mm-hmm. you know? And right. so, you know, I don't know. I, listen, I heard John Maxwell say one time, cause I, I, people are listening to this going, well, all that stuff costs money. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Right. But I heard John Maxwell say one time that money gives you two things. It, it provides you options, right? Mm-hmm. It's a difference between you driving 
a Honda Civic and a Maserati. That's right. Right. Or um, it allows you to help other people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I look at that as, hey, I have the option of having somebody take care of my lawn, but I'm also helping another family. That's right. That needs this opportunity to, come, yeah. you, you know, so I, you know, I think, again, you've got to decide, like you said, what are you willing to pay to get back more of whatever your time is? Well, and money's only good for the good that it can do, yes. right? And so when you leverage when you leverage yourself, your hourly rate starts to increase. Now you're able to put more into the economy. You're able to give more. You're able to do yes. more. It, yet, I want to go back to the pattern interrupt, right? There's usually a belief system that is anchored in someone's, that, yeah. <laughs> in someone's inability to leverage. To give up, yeah, right? right, right? To give up the and if you control. look at generationally, what we've gone through, right? Look at baby boomers. It was like, you worked a certain, you that, clocked in, you clocked out, you got a paycheck, right? right? Mm-hmm. That was the mentality that a lot of generations were raised in. Now you have new generations coming that they're saying the average millennial will change careers four times. Four times. Wow. Wow. That's it? But that, you mean but, a year? But still, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, exactly. Like, but but, Lord, but, but you never did that, right? You never changed. No, no, and no I'm, ta- I'm not saying change jobs. Job. I'm she's saying change career. career. Oh, okay. Like you go from being a doctor to a lawyer to yeah. an auto mechanic, right? Like I was going to say fifty jobs. Yeah, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'm 45. I'm on my second career at right. 45, and maybe only for my fourth job ever. Yeah. Fourth yeah. company I've ever worked for. Yeah. And millennials will want to switch jobs every two years. Millennials and younger. Every two years, you've got to have a bigger yeah, opportunity for them, right. or well, trust they'll go us, seek we, another trust opportunity. Trust us, we know. You know, yeah, you, you have them employed. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. So sure. it just changes the game. Think like baby boomers. Be loyal. Come on, folks. Okay. <laughs> well, so, so when it comes to leverage, do you have like, is there a millennial as to a baby boomer? Which one is easier to convince that it's time to leverage? Well, you um, must. You need to get out of my head because that's exactly what I was thinking when Brian was talking. Was it's not just about leverage; it's about using the right leverage, mm-hmm. right? Finding the right leverage to do things. So, for instance, in in our company, you know, we have U.S. based employees. We have virtual assistants. We don't treat our virtual assistants any different than we do a U.S. based employee. For those of you that aren't familiar with listeners that aren't familiar with a virtual assistant, it's an offshore um, piece of leverage that you know a lot of ours are from the Philippines and their their eco- their economy mm-hmm. is very different than ours. So we can get them at a very affordable rate, yeah. rate, which allows us to keep our U.S. US-based employees doing things that are raising their hourly rate that are going to give them more opportunity in the future because we can keep our costs down Mm -hmm. and our labor Mm -hmm. costs down. So we have about 19 virtual assistants inside of our organization, which has allowed our our US-based employees to do things for their families that they would not have been able to do in 24 months. Wow. Nice. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. What what do you think, uh, you know, the other challenge that we see, Brindley, is the aversion to mm-hmm. I just want to do everything myself. Mm-hmm. I, I got to have control. That's right. A lot, so, a lot of that, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's a belief system, yeah. right? You've really got to ask yourself, first of all, 90% of the way we think, we didn't choose to think that way. Sure. It was created for us, right? And if you if you want to go down the nerd train of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. neurological programming, right? Most of us by the age of 13 already have our work ethic and belief systems in place by our parents, our teachers, our experiences. Thank you, dad. Right? <laughs> it is. So you you really have to do some self-analysis to say, you know, am, yes, I could do it. 
and I might be, I might even be the best person to do it. Yet, what's my opportunity cost? You know, everyone, and I, I can't say that I made this up. This came from one of my mentors on his podcast that I listened to yesterday. We should all have a line item in our budgets and in our PLs called opportunity cost. It's it's the opportunities that we're leaving on that the table mm-hmm. that we miss out on because we don't leverage. Okay, that part was mine. Tying it to leverage was mine, but the opportunity costing was his, <laughs> right? So what asking yourself by by doing it myself, what am I saying what no to? Missing? What am I right. missing? What are you, missing? You, you said, you know, an hour and a half with your kids. Yeah. Like you've got eighteen summers. 18 yeah. birthdays, yeah. right? An hour and a half is a lot is a of time in, yeah. in, in reality. So yeah. I think it's, you've got to ask yourself, if I'm saying yes to this, what am I saying no to? And then if I've always said, if someone can do it 80% as well as you do it, you have good leverage. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're delusional to think that everyone is going to think that they can do it exactly like you. No one is going to love my business as much yeah. as I love it. They're just not. Right. Yeah. They could get pretty close, but they're never going to love it as much as I do. They're never going to stay up at night the way that I do in sure. stress. They're just sure. not. It's not their baby. They haven't spent 10 years of everything before this business to get where we are today. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think, you know, if, if you're somebody out there who's taken a look at, hey, do I need leverage? Do I want leverage? You know, one of the things I always talk about is like, what are the things that you do in your daily life that give you the most joy or the most energy? That's right. Right? Those are the things that you should keep doing, by the way. Mm-hmm. But the things that are the energy suckers or the energy vampires, whatever, so to speak, those are the things that you should be looking to leverage, to leverage off. Out. That's right. Right? And some of that is because if you if you continually operate in your optimal wheelhouse, what could you really do? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's where like that business growth or that opportunity comes in. But I think there's also some people out there who, you know, leverage for them isn't always about business growth, but it might be about more time. That's right. Right. And that was kind of what I talked about. Time and money, right? Time and money. It's to convince somebody that that Mm -hmm. they're not at their ceiling. They're not at their max. Let's say you're selling real estate, right? And you're closing three transactions a month. Mm -hmm. How many could you close if you leverage it out? uh, Oftentimes the belief is, well, I only close three and then I'm going to pay this assistant. Mm. What's it doing for me? Yeah. And they don't recognize that they're going to go to four and five and four six and five, transactions yeah. by yeah. leveraging. Yeah, if if they reinvest that time, that's right into their business, into right? Their business. And that's why for some people it's just time or money. It's not yeah. about the reinvestment of the time. It's just about I want more time. That's mm-hmm. right. You know, I want to, more time to do the things. And and that sometimes is the question that you need to start with is, if you had ten more hours in a week, what would you do with that time? Mm-hmm. And how much more money would that make you, right? Uh, you know, I had a conversation this morning that I, I'm uh, fortunate to be coached by Tony Robbins this year as one of his platinum partners. And we just got back from a financial trip where we heard from some of the top economists and market makers, you know, in the world. And the truth and the reality is none of us really know what's coming. We never know what's mm-hmm. happening. None of us knew COVID was coming. None of us knew a war was coming. Like, it's not that we can control the future. It's we can control the conversation, Mm -hmm. Right. It's what conversations are we having with ourselves? What conversations? How are we educating ourselves to find out what's happening in the world? Because time is precious. None of us are guaranteed another minute. You know, you get 24 hours in a day and that's it. One of the stories I tell is um, so two gentlemen and I probably should find some new gentlemen because apparently they're not the most popular gentlemen in the world (laughs) um, that I studied when I started looking at leverage and time were Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. Okay. 
And Warren Buffett, you know, still lives in the same house that he grew up in in Omaha. We all know the Warren Buffett story, right? Yep. He doesn't do it for the money. He really loves the game. He loves investing. But more importantly, he loves helping people turn their businesses around. Well, Warren has, aside from, there's a documentary on him that you should watch if you've never seen it, aside from having two wives at one time. Whoa. Another, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a pretty interesting story. Yeah, he was married to two women at one time. Okay. Yep. Yep. His wife Susie. I'll just tell. Them, now I feel like I have to tell and the story. That's out of the right? bag. Let's go. Like, like one I mean, is hard enough. Yeah. Warm, exactly. oh, this so, yeah. so his first wife, and and I may get the story incorrect. This is obviously based on you know hearsay. But the first wife Susie, when the kids were raised out of the house, he just worked all the time, and she wanted to go to California and do some charity work. And so she said, "I'm out of here." Well, she called their friend. I don't remember her name, but they called the friend and said, "Hey, if you don't go check on Warren, he might die." while I'm gone. And so this woman would go over and start checking on Warren and they fell in love. And for a while they would sign their Christmas cards, all three of them until the first wife actually passed away of cancer. Yeah. And then they married. Yeah. So just an interesting fact about Warren Buffett. But the second great story is that he would go to breakfast every morning at the McDonald's in Omaha and he would have a cup in his cup holder and his wife would put a certain amount of money in that cup every day and that's how Warren would decide what to have for breakfast so he even leveraged the thinking time to decide what to have for breakfast because he knew those minutes right were precious that he could be on a conference call or he could be present doing something else so it just makes so if like he had three dollars in the cup he got a hash brown and a you know, I don't know, black coffee. That's yeah, seven dollars. He got pancakes. I, I, I right? call that quirky, like Albert Einstein. He, yeah. you know, he wore the same same suit every day because yeah. he didn't want to ever have to think, "What am I going to wear?" What am I going to wear? That's know? right. His brain had to do other That's things. Right. I'm like, ooh, yeah. Steve Jobs, black shirt and, yeah, and say, jeans you, every you day. You see a lot of people like that. You know? yeah. yeah, Gary, uh, Gary you, Keller. You, you know, right. I Gary have, Keller. I, same I, thing. I have my uniform. <laughs> yes, you do. Your uniform is a blue blue khakis, and a and a blue or white shirt. Yeah, there it is. That's it. Closet full of them. Well, and when you start looking at your mastering your minutes that's when the game changes when you start looking at nice, minutes versus hours things start to change yep. you you under we underestimate how much we can get done in a minute it's yeah. crazy how much you can uh, do in a minute I mean, it's bold law right all yeah. work fits into the time, the time allowed. allowed that's right yeah. that's right have you ever held you know a, a, a pull-up for a minute that'll tell you how long a minute is right like yeah i tried that at the strawberry with festival a, with a chair maybe that's about yeah it. right exactly yeah. <laughs> go, let's go Talking about no, healthy fat guys again. <laughs> so, uh, Brindley, what t- before we kind of switch gears a little bit? Yeah. Is, what What else on leverage should we be asking you, or would you like to share? So, if you're sitting out there and you're thinking, okay, yeah, it's really easy for Brian to say he doesn't mow his lawn anymore, or this chick had her mom that she now pays, right? I don't have that. Just start tracking your activities. Mm-hmm. Just start, take out a notebook and a pen. And as you do things, maybe at the top of every hour or the end of every day, write down everything you did. And then assign a dollar value to it. And then take an average of what that is. And you'll figure out what your hourly rate is. Or simply take your monthly income and divide it by 160 because that's how many hours, mm-hmm. 40 hours a week at four you know, four, four weeks. Four month, yep. And then that'll tell you your hourly rate. You do that one exercise and I'm pretty sure you're going to be pretty shocked. Either one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to go, I'm super cheap, or you're going to say, oh my gosh, I made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. About 1% say the second thing. 99% of people realize that, oh my gosh, like I'm barely working for anything right now. Yeah. 
So that's where I would start. Yeah. Yeah. So Brinley, how would we find your company? Yeah. So we're your Realty Leverage. Uh, you can go to yourrealtyleverage.com or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, all the social channels. You can also follow me, Brinley Tucker, B-R-I-N-D-L-E-Y, T-U-C-K-E-R. It's pretty easy to find me on all the social channels as well. Now, do you work with other industries besides real estate? So we are actually now in medical, title, mortgage, and we're into legal here soon. So my my vision has always been let's master the model inside real estate and then let's go help other business owners in other industries. Awesome. So yeah. that's cool. what we're doing now. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you sharing um, that. You know, I think leverage, regardless of the industry that you're in, I think, I think it's something that a lot of business owners don't understand. Mm. Right. It's true. And so thanks for dropping some knowledge on yeah. us yeah. Uh, with, with that. Yeah. With that. So I said, I was to switch gears a little bit. Mm. So we came together for this. Uh, because you and I were at an event recently.